Good morning, Grace Place family. Both on campus, great, great group of people here, and then all those of you who are watching online, we're glad to have you today. We're still in the book of Ephesians. I had a, a couple of weeks off, so it's like when you, uh, maybe at work, you know, you, you were on vacation, you come back, and you kind of wonder if you remember what to do, and that's where I'm at today. <laughs> Am I going to remember where I'm supposed to be standing, what I'm supposed to be doing? Uh, so we're in the book of Ephesians. We are in chapter 4, beginning at verse 7, if you want to find your place there. I'm going to give away a little bit of the ending of this. Uh, this is the spoiler alert, like if you watch the movie and the guy tells you the ending before you get a chance to watch the movie. Uh, this, is, uh, this is that moment, okay? The ending of this, uh, just as uh, he said here, we're, we're talking about what we're equipped for, right? We're going to be talking about being equipped, and we're going to go through that in the message. But the question rarely gets asked, <laughs> equipped for why? For what purpose? You know, what, uh, why is God uh, investing and, and giving gifts and equipping us and preparing us and developing us along the way? What is the purpose of that? And, and of course, uh, we just heard it. He wants us to get in action. He wants us to be engage in the mission. He wants us to be reaching those who are unreached. He wants us to have people that we are discipling. Uh, you're a family, a group, the very first ones you start with, uh, husbands and wives together, encouraging one another. Uh, your children, uh, those are ones that you're discipling and, and working with. And then all those that God's put in your extended circle to uh, disciple and to train and to equip. They're watching your life. They're watching what is the difference between uh, someone who, who proclaims to be a follower of Jesus Christ and just general culture in the rest of the world and what, what makes you different if you've assigned yourself to listening to Jesus rather than to listening to um, the ebbs and flows of what is culturally popular in our day, right? But we are going to stick with God's word. So they're going to watch you and they're going to see and, and you get a chance to disciple them. You get a chance to, to train them and to see them equipped to do the same thing in the circles that God has placed them around. Ephesians chapter 4, let's jump to verse 7. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Verse 9, now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, 
may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective work by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you that you would impart that to us, Lord, by work of the Holy Spirit, that these will no longer be words on the page, but life and sustenance to our flesh and to our spirit, God, that we might feed and feast today, knowing, Lord, your word, and that we might be those who are obedient to it, and that we go forward living the word of God, not just memorizing it for memorization's sake, but that we would be those who are uh, in the field of labor, doing the work of ministry. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. Paul is quoting uh, in that section some an interesting passage, and there's probably just a message uh, there about uh, where he talks about what is it that he that ascended also descended the lower parts of the earth. Uh, I've read a lot on this and uh, studied different views about what people think uh, this, this may be speaking to. It's also uh, found in Psalm 68, verse 18, and uh, there are other places throughout Scripture where it talks about uh, with the, the ascension of Jesus, there was also uh, that he, he went to the lower parts of the earth, led captivity captive. It's, it's interesting, and, and I'll just throw this out for you. Uh, this is the wonder of, of studying the Bible and, and looking at God's word and the kinds of things that you uncover and start wondering. We'll know really for sure when we meet him face to face and get a chance to, to talk to him about it. But there's a, there is a parable in Scripture that Jesus told about uh, the rich man and Lazarus, and, and the rich man uh, fared sumptuously every day. The scripture says he he had just had it great; everything went well for him. And uh, that Lazarus was a poor beggar, and he would just just beg or want just the crumbs from the table of a, of a rich man. Like, uh, and and so uh, the two lived this life on earth. But when they died, uh, Lazarus was uh, one who died in faith and. Um, you know, he, he uh, was carried away to, to paradise, is, is the language that's used there. And uh, it's a picture of, a, a, of two lower compartments. And in those two lower compartments, the story continues. That on the one side is called Abraham's bosom, and on the other side is, is literal hell. And uh, the two could see, but they were divided uh, from one another. And there's conversation that takes place between Abraham and, uh, and, and the rich man who finds himself in hell. And uh, so that, that's an interesting parable when you think in terms of Jesus uh, uh, descending the lower parts of the earth and you know, what might have happened there. But certainly we know that the literal aspect of it was he ascended into the heavens, he descended here on earth, he came uh, bringing gifts to mankind, he lived God clothed in flesh, lived among us. And so Psalm 68, 18 is something that Paul is, is alluding to there as well. But what we really want to see out of this is there's never been a victory like this victory. We're, you know, I, I can't help, I get ahead of myself when we're getting close to Easter. Just want to say, He is risen! And here you say, He is risen indeed! 
You know, it's just the anticipation of what Christianity is really all about. It, was, it would have been one thing if Jesus just lived a great life and, and was a good example and a historical figure that we could look at and say, well, you know, I, I aspire to be a good man like he was a good man. It is something else when he overcame death, right? And every one of the promises that he's made and, and everything that he said in Scripture is, is possible because he overcame death. And never has there been a victory like that one, a triumphal ascension that Christ demonstrated his victory over the power of evil when he, when he broke forth from uh, the tomb and he, and he broke out of the grave. It's important to note that uh, the victory preceded an invasion. And Christ gave powerful gifts to all of his followers that can continue uh, the worldwide invasion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He told his, his, uh, his disciples that gathered around him just before the ascension, this is after the resurrection, and Jesus is, is standing there giving them the, the last commission, uh, and he's telling them to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but he's, he's saying, you're not on your own. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. There's going to be gifts. There's going to be power. There's going to be dunamis uh, power that's going to be available to you to succeed and to carry forth the mission that I have given to you. I'm the head, you're the body, so get busy, right? And while these gifts are are not equal in size, you know, every member of the body has a gift, and while they're not equal in size or significance in our eyes, they are are the result of God's grace, and and, uh, we should never get engaged in, in, in the pride of comparing ourselves with someone else. Well, they... That person has a gift of prophecy or that person has, you know, another gift and I don't have that gift. We should never get into that uh, business of trying to compare ourselves. We are ill-equipped to say what's most important, right? Because in the moment that God uses those gifts in our life to bring somebody to himself, that gift is as important as any gift on the table that's available. When we are using it for his kingdom and we see somebody come to know Christ as their personal savior, that is the most powerful and most effective gift in that moment, right? And so Jesus gave gifts to men. It says here in, in that statement, that Greek word, uh, just so that you, you, you who are um, of a feminine persuasion here don't, don't get offended, this means people. It's the, it's the Greek word that just means people. He gave gifts to everybody. We all have them. It's not just for men. Uh, it's not just for women. It's for all of us. And all believers have, have at least one gift. And, and uh, we can take a look at, uh, at, at this listing of gifts. Ephesians 4, 11 talks about the, the gifts that God has given to the church, specifically for training, equipment. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you can see. And then and 1 Peter, uh, these, these various gifts and many more. Throughout Scripture that we see exercised uh, that God is using for His glory. But this is just a snapshot of some of the gifts that some of you have or many of you may have here in, in this group and gathering today and online as well. The focus of Paul's teaching is not on how many gifts or even the gifts that a, that a person has. But rather the point of, of uh, it is that Christians should strive to use the gifts that God has given to us in order to serve others and to serve the mission that God has given to all mankind. In addition to these gifts uh, to members and to to the body of Christ, it says, Paul, Paul illuminates here, he says that God gave some to be apostles, some prophets. These are, these are gifts that God has given to the church. Some to, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, you're welcome. Uh, 
and teachers. Right? The purpose of these gifts, he says, is for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And not for memorization, right? (laughs) Not so we can memorize scripture, not so we can get pens for perfect attendance, you know, not so we can... uh, you know, uh, be the, the greeter of the year, the, you know, the, the media person of the year. These, these gifts are, are intended for us to do the works of ministry, to carry forward the mission that God's given us. And therefore, the edifying of the body of Christ. When we are functioning as we ought to function in Christ, these are, these are lifting up spirits. We come together every, every week and, and you know all of us have gone through something, maybe going through a different kind of, of uh, tragedy or difficulty, and our brothers and sisters functioning as they ought to be functioning in their giftings and in obedient to God are lifting our spirits. I mean, I never come to church but what I don't go away, it could be here on the campus, or if we're on vacation, I'm going to a, a different church, a church in another state. Uh, it, it, is, it is always uplifting. I always leave edified and encouraged. Why? Because that's what happened. The body of Christ was functioning in their gifts, was doing what God called them to do, and it lifted my spirits. The worship team was worshiping, right? The greeting team was greeting. Uh, the media team was meeting, Right? Uh, the, the teachers were teaching. You know, I, I remember we were uh, this past uh, summer. Uh, we were uh, up in in Orlando, and we we had gone to uh, church service up there and and uh, taken Allison. And man, she loved it. She was like all into it. And so the service was so good. Big big church, and so they had this huge auditorium with kids her age, and and they they even had their own, you know, kids worship team, and they're up there jumping around, you know, and dancing around, and there's background flashing, you know, the, the words and all this kind of stuff, and she's going for it, you know, and so we, you know, we, we come in there, because church is over, it's been over for like 15, 20 minutes, and and she's still going, you know, and, and several of the kids are like, hey, you got to quit, you know, it's like, it's over, you know, come on, let's go, we have things to do, and she didn't want to, because that's what happens when we're doing Doing what we're supposed to be doing, you don't want to leave. It's great. Your spirit is uplifted. So he talks about these equipping gifts. They're the five-fold ministry. Apostles, I just quickly want to touch on this. Prophet, evangelist, pastors, teachers. So uh, the apostolic ministry, uh, un- unlike, I think it, it continues, uh, not, not as the apostles, the original apostles, but uh, this apostolic ministry today, to my mind, continues in the sense of these very seasoned, wisdom-filled uh, ministers who, uh, who are training and equipping and are father-like figures to, to uh, young men and young women who feel the call of God on their life for full-time ministry. And I've been the recipient of, of people like this who've come around my life all my life to encourage me, to bless me, to strengthen me. And I thank God uh, that, that that form of the apostolic ministry is continuing. The father-like uh, wisdom and, and, uh, and, and giftings uh, that uh, these, these uh, pastor seasoned ministers have to come alongside you and to lift your spirits. I know many a time um, that there, there would have been exodus of Uh, young ministers who face real challenges in their early ministry except for those father-like figures and uh, who come alongside them put their arms around them and say I did it and you can too you know 
God's going to help you. The gift of prophecy is, is active in the church today. There are those that we can identify and look at that God is using, and particularly in that fashion, I, I think often about uh, David Wilkerson, and, and he's gone to be with the Lord now, but throughout his life was uh, a beacon of, of being used as a prophetic uh, you know, pointer to Christ and, and the soon coming and return of Christ and uh, inspiring and is that, is that prophet that drives us, you know, to uh, a measure of fear of the Lord, right? Uh, to, to, hey, we got to get busy, man, because they, you know, they're, they're the kind of people that see the whole spectrum of what's going on, not only the visible, but the invisible. And they're saying, you know, we, we have a, a window of time. We got to get this accomplished because Christ is returning and reminding us. Evangelists do uh, similar in the sense of, of you know, bringing a sense of, of a need for revival and a need for uh, the church to be uh, the church and to get fully equipped and to do what God has called us to do. And I was a benefit beneficiary throughout my life of hearing, you know, great evangelists. I, when I think about an evangelist, I think about someone like Reinhard Bonnke, you know. And uh, how many of you know who Reinhard Bonnke is? Okay. Uh, and he's gone to be with the Lord, but... You know, he, uh, I'll give you a little bit of Reinhard Bonnke. I mean, I'm, I'm nowhere near can imitate him, but he was just so, like, intense, you know. You need to serve God. God loves you with all of his heart. And you need to go to the altar and pray and pray and ask God to equip you. <laughs> That's Reinhard Bonnke, you know. And I thought, uh, I'd met many guys like that, that they were different off stage, you know. So I was expecting that when I met him in person. And I was at uh, a conference at Jack Hayford's, and I got, had a chance to get introduced to Reinhard Bonnke. And they said, this is Pastor Alan Kirkpatrick. And he says, how are you doing, Brother Kirkpatrick? So good to meet you. I was like, this guy's the same off stage as he is on stage. He's intense. <laughs> he is so intense. But evangelist, they, they really remind us of how we need to be revived and inspired that this salvation is, it needs to be fresh every day and new every morning. And the mission that God has given us is great, and we need to be engaged in it. And then the gift of, of pastors, and I would lump a lot of times pastors and teachers together. They are two separate things, but often pastors are uh, equipped both ways. They are both pastors and, uh, and teachers, the pastoral gift is, is one of shepherding, leading God's people in spiritual growth and development, caring for the needs that arise in, in the local community in which they are shepherding, but also uh, to, as teachers to deepen the roots by expounding upon the Word of God and helping them apply it to their daily lives. And so uh, it is that, that often pastors are, are also equipped as teachers to to train and to, to equip and to prepare people for God's great works ahead. What is the master plan behind what God is doing? He says in this passage, till we all come into unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, I hope you know that we will not be the perfect man or perfect woman until God completely finishes with us. And on that day that we meet him, boom, He'll complete whatever's undone, right? We're all leaning a little left or leaning a little right. And I'm not speaking politically, I'm speaking sinfully, right? We have, you know, we're, we have these leanings 
and uh, we're bent, you know, we see things the way we see them based upon the environment we were raised in, the culture that we are surrounded by, and we're not always spot on, are we? And it is God that keeps challenging us, and His Word that keeps challenging us. His, His Word is like a mirror, and when we get in here and we start looking, we're like, oh, I see that in me, and that's ugly, and I, I need God, I need you to deal with that. We come into unity of faith as we advance in our growth and development uh, around God's Word. And we're not just, as, as uh, our brother said a moment ago, memorizing it, right? Francis Chan was a, you're not just supposed to memorize this book. You're supposed to obey it. It's your instruction manual. You're supposed to be doing this. We had a, a ceiling fan to put up in, in, in our home, and, and uh, the first thing us men do is throw the instructions in the trash. We, who needs that? And, uh, and, and it caused us to have to take the ceiling fan down a few times and put it back up because we kept forgetting things. And there's still a little piece that I put in a drawer, and I wasn't going to tell Michelle about it, but today there's a little piece I put in a drawer that goes somewhere on that fan. We... <laughs> um, and that's the way, don't, isn't it? Sometimes we, we treat God's Word. We're not, we're not really obeying it. We're not really following through it. We just... We just want it to, to, we want to use what we agree with and what agrees with what we're doing, right? Uh, there is just one gospel, though, right? And, and while, other, while we can disagree doctrinally on, on various kinds of, of issues about the gospel, you know, we can, uh, we can disagree on, you know, like, um, we can disagree on, like, how worship should be done. You know, some people like to sing all hymns, you know, and and uh, they think that, uh, you, you know, I, I was just listening to a guy not long ago. They think that the songs that we sang this morning are, are just repetitive and, and, you know, they don't really emphasize the core of, of Christianity. And they get that from um, the hymns. Well, they must not listen to all the hymns because <laughs> when some of the ones we grew up singing were not very deep, you know, in, in theology. They're fun and they are, they're, there's truthful aspects of them, but... That doesn't mean that if you're not singing a hymn, you're not a Christian, right? Uh, but people will look at these things differently, right? And it's okay for that to happen. But when it comes to the gospel, how are you saved? What is God's plan for your life? We are in agreement. We're in agreement that there's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ, right? Not through the, the special hymns that we sing or the worship songs we sing, we must go through Jesus Christ. There's one Savior. There's one way to God, the Father Jesus. There's one eternal hope making Jesus Lord and, uh, of, your, of your life. And we can proclaim together, and I'll have them put this up so we can all say it together. Are you ready? If you can see it. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come and judge the living and the dead. Amen. Woo! We can say that together and we can affirm it and believe it 
Because that is the gospel. And that's the thing that brings all the Christian community together. doesn't matter, you know, what your, your badge is. If you're coming out of, you know, uh, you're, you're Catholic or, you know, you, you are Methodist or Episcopalian or uh, whatever the title was from your history. You're non-denominational like a group that's gathered here today. Uh, this is something we all have in common, right? We all believe it and we all know it to be true. And so then Paul says, I don't want you to be like children. No, no longer be like children. And it's obvious, you know, why we should not be like children. We should be like children in our, in our approach and, and to God in the sense of like we need Him and we don't have all the answers. We're not bringing everything to the table. We are just open to Him. We're loving Him and trusting Him, but not children in the sense of how we walk out our faith, right? Because children are so easy to deceive, aren't they? And the reason is they do not have a great deal of world experience. And so they, they trust easily and they accept our explanations for all the mysterious things that are happening around them. Why is the sky blue? Because I took a blue crayon this morning and I colored it. Oh, okay. <laughs> And Paul says, I don't want you to be that way in your faith walk. I don't want you to be like children. Uh, when, we, when we do not grow up spiritually, uh, Paul's saying here, we're at risk. And he describes uh, what we're at risk for. He said, when you're, when you're like that, when you're children in your faith, you can be tossed to and fro. You can be pushed one way or another. Things that happen, and, and we see this regularly that affronts in our culture that, that rise up, and uh, those who are not really prepared get pushed one way or another, even pastors sometimes, tossed to and fro with what is happening culturally because they have not really answered some of those questions in advance. They're not ready. Carried about with every wind of doctrine, all kinds of, of things sweep through, um, you know, Christianity and new things that arise and uh, people jump on those bandwagons before they really examine the scriptures to find out, is this really what's happening? I, someone, a uh, pastor said one time, you know, the, the place where Jesus prays for the blind man and he spits, you know, on the dirt and he puts it on the man's eyes, you know, and makes mud, mud packs, puts on the guy's eyes. And then he says, go wash your, your face, and then the man could see. And so, you know, I, I tell you that story to say, you know, he was, he was saying that, that if it, it, when we're like this, when we're like children, that we can make a doctrine out of this, and we become the Muddites. I'd have a little pot of mud up here. If you were blind, if you're hurt, we're going to put mud all over you, you know, and we're going to wash you. Um, there's good reason for us to understand the whole of Scripture and, and, and not to be bent in particular directions. We've seen all kinds of things. Uh, some of you, and I hesitate to even mention them because then you're going to go look for them, whatever. But <laughs> if you haven't seen them, thank God. <laughs> There's all kinds of things happening, gold flakes falling from heaven, all kinds of things that, will, that, that people believe, uh, you know, to be uh, truth. And so it's, that's what every wind of doctrine is, blows in, blows out, blows up. And then he says, by the trickery of men, by the trickery of men, 
Um, cunning in, in craftiness, deceitful in plotting. Ah, oh, how do I get out of this one? <laughs> um, televangelist movement, you know, uh, there, there, uh, there was really a lot of good. And then there were people who used the influence to trick, cunning craftiness, to plot, to gather money. Um, I had a, a disconcerting experience. Uh, Micah was uh, 14, I think, and uh, a, a group of, of young ladies that uh, were in Christian, uh, where they were a Christian band, they were sisters, and she wanted to go see them. She, she liked them. Was it, was it Sierra? And they were in a local church uh, in Mesa, Arizona, not too far from where we were at. And so um, she wanted to go see him. So I, I bought tickets to surprise her and, and took her uh, to the concert. And uh, the first opening band before the girls came out was uh, str too strong for dad. <laughs> like, boom, I mean, it was just... Um, and, and she seemed to be enjoying it, and she made a friend with somebody there. And I said, is it okay if I go out to the coffee shop and I wait till?" You know, the, the group comes and she goes, oh, yeah, Dad. So I went out to get some coffee. And while I'm out there, I'm, I'm having uh, overhearing conversations from the people at the church that are serving in the coffee bar. And they sit down and start talking to me, ask me where I'm from and experience. And, and uh, they relate to me that uh, they're, they were disappointed that the girls that are singing had asked in advance for uh, an honorarium. They, they wanted an honorarium. Uh, of, uh, I think it was $1,500 or something like that to, in order to come. And uh, they said, yeah, you know, and they mentioned this uh, great television personality and said he came last Sunday and he didn't ask for any kind of offering. And our church, you know, which this is a sizable church, gave him $33,000. And uh, I know the person <laughs> and... Uh, I, I know that uh, he, he's, he, it's, we have to be careful. When we are listening to voices around us that proclaim to be the experts in things, and many of, of, of people who fall into these traps uh, did not intend to do so. They, they had good intentions in the beginning. And, and the notoriety and the popularity and all these things begin. And then they, they create something that is so big that it has to be funded. And, and Paul's saying, you, you need to walk with people. You need to walk this faith out. You need to know those that labor among you. You need to know uh, how that they, they care about and the flock and how they care about my word and what they are doing effectively for the kingdom. Easily moved by the convictions of culture, Paul said, this is what happens to, to us when we're like children. We're open to false doctrine because they are not learned in biblical doctrine. Easily tricked or conned marks or targets for deceitful plots. So what does it look like when we become a mature Christian? Paul says, yeah, this is what it looks like when we are 
children tossed to and fro, susceptible to everything that's going on. So what does it look like when we become mature Christians in Jesus Christ? And he said, here's what, what happens. But speaking, beginning at verse 15, if you still have your Bibles open, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head Christ, from whom the body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And out of this, there are more, but out of this there are two primary identifiers of, of maturity as a Christian that you, you see that come forth here. First of all, speaking the truth in love. What is the truth? The gospel. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So it's, it's speaking Jesus in love. Able to talk to people in, in truth, but in love. Because the truth can hurt. It can harm us, right? I mean, you know, because we're not living according to that truth. We're engaging or embracing something that is not truth. And, and we want that. And then when someone tells us the truth, it hurts. And Paul says, we're doing it as mature believers, but we're doing it in love. I want you to have God's best life the best life that God wants for you. I want that life for you. And so I'm going to tell you the truth in love because I care about you. And then, uh, that, that, so, so we're a student of the word when we're speaking truth in love. We're bold in your communication, truths of scripture, and you're speaking with love over condemnation. It's, it's, it's the love of God that rises out of that. It's the, the two men on the road to Emmaus that are walking with Jesus. And, and when he departs and goes a different way and they're walking down the road and they never recognized, fully recognized that was Jesus, they, he, they had asked him questions about Scripture and he had talked to them about the Word of God. And so their, their, their testimony to one another was, did not our hearts burn within us as he spake along the way? You know, that's what happens when, when people encounter a mature Christian. They, they, uh, they sense this love and in their hearts they're convicted and that draws them near to God and they walk away kind of saying, man, that was an encounter. Something happened there that's different. from, from no, They weren't condemning me. They weren't just trying to destroy my life. They, these people care about me, telling the truth in love. So that's the first one. The second one that pops up out of here is that are evident, it's evident to all who watch uh, that Jesus is your leader and that you're a member of the body of Christ. You're a, a humble servant of the body of Christ and Jesus is your leader. He's leading you and directing your life and, and you're humbly following after him. And it's evident to people that are around you. Uh, they see, they see that, that that happening in your life. I want to close by telling you a story that hopefully kind of brings some of this together and, and helps us understand about walking in, in maturity. And uh, it's, it's one of many encounters that, that I've had uh, in, in my life where God is, has spoke to me about a particular situation in advance. I'm going into a hospital room to visit with a man that I do not know. Uh, I had met his wife uh, on a couple of occasions. She came uh, with a friend uh, from, uh, that invited her to church. And uh, she told me her husband um, was in the hospital and uh, told me a little bit about, this had been all over the news. Uh, he was the, uh, the head of a 
the largest car dealership in Phoenix. And uh, he was over all these sales guys. And they were, um, they were on TV because they had, uh, in, in all of their money making and, you know, and, and the greed that had poured in, you know, they had uh, also gotten into drugs. And uh, these, these, these drugs had done some real damage. And uh, so it was undercover agents that had gone in and, and found out what was going on here. And it was, it was the, the tearing down of this, this mighty empire of, of the car dealership there and, and all of the people. And he was the leader of it. He's the one that had okayed a lot of this. And, and, and so I'm getting ready to, to step into the room to visit him. He's um, in the hospital. He's, he's, he's conscious. He's, he's aware of what's going on. And God speaks to me before I walk in the room and says, uh, you know, I, I want you to, to go in uh, with, with a real heart of love. I want you to listen. I don't want you to reach for uh, the, the typical way that I would do things as a pastor to enter the room and stuff like that, to inter introduce, um, you know, the Bible, introduce myself. And he says, a different way. I want you to go and encounter this situation. And I want you to do it with love. And so... I had, a, I had a New Testament, and I, I tucked it in my pocket and uh, walked in and introduced myself. Hey, I'm Alan, and, uh, you know, your wife had asked me to, to come by, and he goes, you know, he knew that I was coming, and you could tell he was a little afraid. Like, what's this guy going to do? You know, don't lay hands on me and don't, <laughs> don't do anything weird. <laughs> he was just real standoffish, you know. And the more we began to talk, and I found out about his life and what he liked, and and we shared some things in common that we had and, and things like that, that you see the wall begin to come down, the guard begin to come down, and he began to open up more and more and talk to me about, uh, you know, kind of things that were going on in his life. And so I said, you know, out, out, of, out of respect, I had been with him about 20 minutes, I said, um, if you're not comfortable, I'm okay with that, but I would love to just pray for you before I, I leave, if that's okay. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that would be okay. And so I prayed and, and asked God to minister to him and and I left the hospital thinking that that was probably, I'm going to invite our worship team to come up. I, was, I left thinking that was probably, um, that may be it. You know, maybe I just planted a seed and that's, that's all there is to it. And a few weeks passed and uh, I had heard via the grapevine that he had gotten out of the hospital. He was okay now and he was dealing with some of the legal issues that are involved in all of this. And um, I'm in my office one day. I actually remember it was a Wednesday. I was doing some prep work and and, uh, you know, on a, on a message, and, and uh, I hear the noise coming down the hallway. There's nobody else in the building. It was just me. And, and uh, so I go to find out, uh, you know, who's, who's in the hallway. And, and I open the door, and he comes walking in, you know. And I said, oh, it's, it's, it's good to see you. I remembered his name, called his name. And uh, he said, have a seat, you know, have a seat. And so I sat down, and, and, uh, and he sat down. And, and really, long story short, he just, he just said, you know, I had expectations about when you'd walk in my room and what you would do. But he said, I've never really felt love like, like that. He said, you know, I know it wasn't just you. It had to have been God, too, that came in the room that day. And he said, I I'm just here to find out what I need to do to meet God. <laughs> and... Um, we prayed together, and he made Jesus Lord and, and leader of his life that day. What a joy to see, you know, his, the change, the transformation. It's, it's really instantaneous, like the hardness of the heart, um, you know, the, the 
the purposes of men to go after what he wants to go after and just to watch that wash away in just moments of time. Just see a brand new person in front of you, tears streaming down his face, recognizing I've, I've hurt God. I've hurt my family. I've hurt my children. I've hurt other families by okaying this and allowing this to take place. I did get to visit him one time um, after he was incarcerated and, and uh, you know, he's, he's, he served his time, was able to return back to his family and we were gone from the area by the time that uh, he had a chance to re-engage in uh, church community and things like that. But I know that what God did in that day um, made all the difference for his life. God wants to equip us because there are people like that all around us who need to know Jesus as their personal Savior. I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. I'm really thankful for our church, and there are many of you who are already engaged in this. You've been inviting people to come, to meet Jesus, to engage in community, and I'm so grateful that you're doing that. But if there's been any hesitation at all, then I want to encourage you. God's going to give you the boldness, the strength to not be afraid to go forward and, and to do what God's called you to do and to be a disciple, uh, to be able to equip those that are around you. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have a Bible degree. All you have to have is your testimony. This is what Jesus has been doing in my life. And uh, you can point them to people if you want that can help them with huge questions that they need answered or want answered. You can steer them to uh, our elders or pastor, uh, mature Christian believers. But just do what God has equipped you to do. That's all you need to do, just to say yes to God. So can we do that this morning? Can we just say yes to the Lord? Let's take the next few minutes. Father, we say yes to you. You are equipping us, and it's not just for the memorization of Scripture, but Lord, we are to be your disciples equipping those around us, training and preparing those, Lord, who are hungry and in need. Lord, we've been sent out, Lord, among uh, to a world that is lost and in need of a Savior. We were in need of a Savior, and you came and rescued us. And now, Lord, help us to be those who share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone you've placed in our life. Help parents to disciple their children. Let them disciple, uh, be discipled and disciple their children, Lord, as they study your word and prepare. Help us to be disciplers to our coworkers and friends and family members who you've placed around our lives who are open this moment to hearing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guide and direct every step, Lord, and we're going to give you the praise and the glory for it. You are our champion. And we thank you for it, Lord Jesus. Amen.